Hey, it's Ryan Reynolds, and I'm here with Keith, co-star of my upcoming film, If, only in theaters May 17th. Do you want to tell people the big news? All right, I'll do. Sign up now and you'll get unlimited for $15 a month in six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan on us. Mintmobile.com slash switch. Upfront payment of $45 equivalent to $15 per month. Unlimited over 40 gigabytes per month. Face lower speeds. Videos at 480p. Active Mint customers by 531.24 get six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan. Auto renews after six months. Offer ends May 31st, 2024. Separate Paramount Plus registration required. Terms and conditions apply if rated PG. A lot can happen in the next three years. Like a chatbot maybe your new best friend. But what won't change? Needing health insurance. United Healthcare Tri-Term Medical Plans are available for these changing times. Underwritten by Golden Rule Insurance Company, they offer budget-friendly, flexible coverage for people who are in between jobs or missed open enrollment. The plans last nearly three years in some states, with access to a nationwide network of doctors and hospitals. So for whatever tomorrow brings, United Healthcare Tri-Term Medical Plans may be for you. Learn more at UH1.com. Speaking personally, I'm really excited about Medicare for All. I'm really excited about tuition for or universal um, tuition. You know, those excite those those policies are really exciting, and it's not hard to see the social value in them, right? But realistically, it's a math problem, and we have to start this conversation earlier rather than later, um, because economists are worried that if we allow our national debt to continue as it is under current law, there will be severe catastrophic even global consequences to that. Wow. So to answer your question, I just want to I just want to clarify that we are not, you know, saying X candidate is bad or X policy is bad. We really want to empower students to um, have the tools and the critical thinking skills to understand the implications of these policies that are being proposed by the 2020 Democratic. Right. And you, you want them to also be able to verify and question. You know, regardless of the party lines you may be affiliated with, if someone says something that sounds nice, you want them to be able to understand, well, show me a plan that shows how you you plan to pay for this. And as you're equipping them with the critical thinking skills, I, I imagine this is where that comes into place. Exactly. And you're right that it's on both sides of the aisle. Um, it's not just the Democratic candidates that are proposing these things. You know, the Republican Party uh, touted the national debt as an issue that the Republican Party cared about. Um, up until the, the 2016 election with with Donald Trump's election. And as soon as he got elected, the Democratic Party no longer cares about this. Right, right. Yeah. So we're seeing it used as a pawn, the issue used as leverage in a, the political game, um, but it's not being held with the, the, the weight uh, and the seriousness that it should be. How you day, how you day. That was Hillary Allen, and today's episode is really, really interesting because it's about civic responsibility, and civic responsibility in a different way. What is your responsibility to know what the fiscal policy of your country is? In this case, we're talking about the United States, and I love today's guest because she really broke down the importance of understanding what happens when you know countries are thinking about deficits or thinking about cutting spending or cutting programs and she highlights her career and she highlights how she gets students to be responsible in this way we dive into nuances of how to communicate across cultural uh, and political divides and we also dive into some of her background and how she's so passionate about this as I'm recording this intro right now there's been another round of democratic debates and so I want everybody to be able to to know what to look for and to know how to listen for certain things. It's very important and your vote matters, but make sure that you understand what you're voting for, okay? 
And thank you, thank you, thank you once again for the success of the book. I'm in the middle of the book tour. I was in D.C., you know, on the week of the 4th. I just came back from Susquehanna University in Pennsylvania. I'm getting ready to go to Denver. I'll be in L.A. And I have all this information on my website. But thank you so much for the support. The book has been doing really well. And I couldn't have done it without you. If you want to buy the book, there's a link to it in the show notes. If you want to check out Hillary, there's a link for our contact information in the show notes as well as the websites for you to sign up for the competition that they're running all right enjoy the episode welcome everybody to another episode of as told by nomads and today's guest is hillary allen now hillary is a senior associate at net impact and community manager of the up to us campus competition Hillary's involvement in the Up To Us began as a team leader representing the University of Illinois Urbana uh, chapter, I believe, after which she began working as an intern at Net Impact and subsequently the community manager of the national campaign. Hillary leads the weekly training sessions for the campaign leaders and supports 125 teams with their campaign strategy and execution over the course of the year. She currently is someone that is obviously very passionate about the physical challenges we have in today's world. So today's today's uh, podcast will be spent on learning how to mobilize the next generation of leaders on the importance of addressing the country's fiscal challenges. I'm very, very excited to have you on the show. Welcome. Thank you so much, Ty. It's good to be here. The pleasure is mine. So before we even get into um, your background, I'm very curious as to what you define as a fiscal challenge. Someone might be listening to the podcast and they'll be like, fiscal, do you mean physical? And so <laughs> so fiscal obviously has to do with money, but explain to us what fiscal challenges are. Yeah, that's a great place to start. So what we mean by fiscal challenges is the imbalance of revenues and spending in our federal government. So you have monetary policy, which is, um, you know, the Federal Reserve and the Treasury monitoring interest rates and keeping our economy uh, in balance by raising interest rates uh, when the economy uh, builds up uh, momentum and speed and strength, and then reducing interest rates when the economy is slow. So that's monetary policy. Fiscal policy has two mechanisms. Fiscal policy, you can either raise taxes to increase spending or decrease spending um, to, uh, or decrease, yeah, decrease spending on social programs or military or any of the categories of the budget that we spend money on in order to um, sort of put our federal budget more in balance. So that's what we're talking about by um, fiscal challenges um, or, or fiscal policy. Um, and what we mean by fiscal challenges is that there is a real imbalance. If you look at a graph of our total spending, um, that we, all of our expenditures of the federal government, all of our bills that we pay, and you look at the money coming in via taxes and bonds, there's we are spending way more than we are taking in in revenue. And that's a long-term problem because that means that the federal government will not be able to sustain the very important social uh, programs that they currently offer, such as Social Security, Medicare, Medicaid, um, 
programs to support our veterans and our troops, um, programs to support infrastructure and research and development. And so our purpose enough to us is to start that conversation around understanding fiscal, what it means, fiscal uh, issues, what, what that actually means, and secondarily, understanding our fiscal challenges. Right. I love that explanation. It sounds to me like you have a strong focus on the youth, the young Americans, and you feel like they need to be educated on this because, like you're saying, it has long-term impacts on everything from their medical to their savings and, and you know, just their state of life, uh, essentially. So you believe that national debt is something that should be taught to people that are young, or the youth in general, rather. Yeah, that's exactly right. And I'll tell you why. The reason why we focus on the next generation and and current college students is because this issue is going to uh, affect that generation the most. The baby boomers and the, the, the generation who is retiring now are okay. They have um, their social security in line. Uh, the big pot of money that we have all been paying into social security that will pay out for the baby boomer generation. Now for the millennials and Gen Z, the upcoming generation, that's not the case. By 2034, Social Security is projected to be completely dried up and depleted. So that, to us, one way that we can help to uh, encourage public understanding and public support in the most targeted way possible is by talking to the next generation because they're the ones who are going to be most impacted by this issue. I I love that. So so we're facing... I guess, another cycle of elections, right? Mm-hmm. And every politician candidate is going to have their own plan, whether it's, you know, dealing with college debt or, you know, repayment of loans and things like that. What would yeah. you say, you know, the youth, the people who are of voting age, you know, in 18, 19, 20, uh, what, would you, what would you tell those youth to start looking out for? Because it can be hard sometimes to figure out what, what, what candidate is saying and how they're going to pay for certain things if they're not even aware of that or you know, what to look out for. Yeah, you know, Tayo, I'm so glad you asked this question because it's extremely timely right now with the upcoming 2020 elections. And up to us is a nonpartisan campaign. So we do not uh, promote any single policy or promote any single political figure. We rather try to empower students educational understanding of what these proposed policies will mean for their lives. So we really focus on the fiscal perspective and encouraging students to ask the questions, how are we going to pay for these policies that sound so great and so exciting? Personally, speaking personally, I'm really excited about Medicare for all. I'm really excited about tuition for or universal um, tuition. You know, those exci- those those policies are really exciting, and it's not hard to see the social value in them, right? But realistically, it's a math problem, and we have to start this conversation earlier rather than later, um, because economists are worried that if we allow our national debt to continue as it is under current law, there will be severe catastrophic even global consequences to that. So to answer your question, I just want to, I just want to clarify that we are not, you know, saying X candidate is bad or X policy is bad. We really want to empower students to 
um, have the tools and the critical thinking skills to understand the implications of these policies that are being proposed by the 2020 Democratic. Right. And you, right. you want them to also be able to verify and question, you know, regardless of the party lines you may be affiliated with. It. If someone says something that sounds nice, you want them to be able to understand, well, show me a plan that shows how you you plan to pay for this. And as you're equipping them with the critical thinking skills, I, I imagine this is where that comes into place. Exactly. And you're right that it's on both sides of the aisle. Um, it's not just the Democratic candidates that are proposing these things. You know, the Republican Party uh, touted the national debt as an issue that the Republican Party cared about um, up until the, the 2016 election with, with Donald Trump's election. And as soon as he got elected, the Democratic Party no longer cares about his correspondence. Right, right. Yeah. So we're seeing it used as a pawn, the issue used as leverage in a, the political game, um, but it's not being held with the, the, the weight uh, and the seriousness that it should be. As, absolutely. So then what is the top fact about national debt that you felt most of your fellow students weren't aware of? So one of the top facts that I found most compelling during my experience running the Up to Us campaign um, on the University of Illinois Champaign-Urbana campus back in 2016, it was an election year um, and being nonpartisan, um, I was really careful on not um, being political. So what I did for my campaign was to really narrow in on discretionary funding of the federal budget. So uh, federal budgets broken down between mandatory spending, which is all the healthcare programs like Social Security, Medicare, Medicaid, and then you have discretionary funding, which is um, basically all the rest. So this includes military spending, education, um, natural resources department, transportation, infrastructure, um, veterans. Um, so. I was really interested in looking at uh, this category and and putting it in perspective for people to understand really where we're spending our money at the federal level. And one of the things I found interesting was that we spend seven hundred billion uh, each year on military spending and just around three hundred billion uh, each year on education. So from that perspective, it's like, I'm not saying anything about that necessarily, but I'm just provoking the question around like, is this the budget we wanna have as the American people, as the next generation? Because we should have a say in what we're spending money on. This, these are our tax dollars, right? So our federal budget should really reflect society's values. And that's the conversation we wanna have and up to us. Um, I love that. Everything that I'm hearing from you is that you're really, just bringing back critical thinking, you know, that you're provoking and encouraging people to to question, you know, one, what's going on with the money that we have in the country, but also you want them to also tie that to a bigger picture uh, frame of mind where it really yeah. impacts every single thing that they will become, whether it's an entrepreneur or an employee, uh, you know, patient, a student, a father, a mother, all these right. things that we take for granted because they seem so far away. Uh, right. So, yeah. Huh. Yeah, I like the way that you put that. And I think that's spot on. Like, we want to empower them with the facts and the figures, but we also want to provoke a different mentality and way of looking at the, at, at the federal budget and um, really raise the flag about the implications of this spending um, not in a fear-mongering way, but in an informative way that reaches across the aisle and is uh, bipartisan. Okay, okay. 
then this immediately begs the question, why isn't this taught in school? It's a really great question as well. So it actually is, but I don't think anybody really pays much attention to it. So at least in my government class in high school, we talked about the national debt for maybe like a day um, and fiscal uh, fiscal policy and the difference between fiscal policy and monetary uh, policy, as well as mandatory spending and discretionary spending in the budget. But it's just kind of a blip in the curriculum. And what's not talked about is the implications of the current trajectory of the budget that are the the data coming from the Congressional Budget Office saying we've got a problem here ringing the bells but it's falling on deaf ears at the national uh, legislative uh, house and why is that in my opinion it's because the system is not set up in a way that is conducive to solving this problem because politicians want to get reelected and they want to serve their constituents and give them what they want and what they want costs money. And so in a way, it's like if, if they are worried about the long-term federal budget, it goes directly against um, their ability to provide constituents with, with what they want and need. So we're in this kind of weird catch-22 paradox situation. And I think the the only solution forward is to educate people so that everybody can be brought up to speed on what the real implications of this are. And we have to understand that the longer we wait, the worse it's going to get. Yeah, that's true. And I'm a big proponent of, of the education approach. Uh, I'm also curious, though, especially as you're you're making me think about a few things. What would you say are specific policy proposals that could tackle some of these challenges? There's a lot out there. Um, on the, uh, the so one of our partners in this program is the Peter G. Peterson Foundation, and they're a nonpartisan think tank that's based in Washington. Or I'm sorry, based in New York City. And on their website, they've um, convened five different economic think tanks to propose policies, to propose basically solutions to balance the federal budget. Some of, so it's a combination, it's always a combination of the two main fiscal mechanisms, which are increasing taxes and thereby increasing revenue, right? Or, and, decreasing spending, cutting, cutting things, cutting programs. And that's a really dirty word, cutting, slashing programs. um, And it's not politically attractive. Hey, it's Ryan Reynolds, and I'm here with Keith, co-star of my upcoming film, If Only in Theaters, May 17th. Do you want to tell people the big news? All right, I'll do it. Sign up now and you'll get unlimited for $15 a month in six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan on us. Mintmobile.com slash switch. Upfront payment of $45 equivalent to $15 per month. Unlimited over 40 gigabytes per month. Face lower speeds. Videos at 480p. Active Mint customers by 531.24 get six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan. Auto renews after six months. Offer ends May 31st, 2024. Separate Paramount Plus registration required. Terms and conditions apply if rated PG. I'm Sandra and I'm just the professional your small business was looking for. But you didn't hire me because you didn't use LinkedIn Jobs. LinkedIn LinkedIn has professionals you can't find anywhere else, including those who aren't actively looking for a new job, but might be open to the perfect role, like me. 
In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates like Sandra. Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. Right. So it's some combination of that. And the real trick is how to reduce the most amount of suffering while, um, still providing the essential programs that the government offers, such as Medicaid and Medicare. Those are programs that are um, really millions of people rely on those programs to survive. It's the, the recipients of those programs are our society's weakest and most, most vulnerable populations. So um, it's really looking at where can we kind of adjust slightly these dials so that the social impact is reduced, but that we get our fiscal house more on track. One particular example of these policies is uh, the carbon tax. So that would entail um, charging companies based off of their CO2 emissions by tons. Um, And so I personally really like that policy because it's addressing climate change while also increasing revenues for our federal government um, and uh, solving two problems at once, essentially. Um, Another, go ahead. No, go go ahead. I I, I think it's probably going to come after your question. So I'm curious about that. Yeah. So I was just going to give another example of, of another policy that is pretty, is pretty common and talked about is the um, increasing the social security age. So right now I believe it's 65. And if we, uh, if we increase that social security age by just two years, which is merited by the fact that people are healthier than when social security was first enacted and people are living longer. So they don't need to rely on social security at 65. We can maybe potentially bump that age um, a bit older, um, essentially saving, saving the government more money. Um, and so I, I want to be clear that I'm not proposing any of these solutions, but I'm giving you these as examples of, of different solutions that are out there. No, no, I agree. I, I, I think it's very clear. But what, what I was going to interject with is I often hear policies like these, right? You know, when you say they address a larger issue of climate change while also helping the people. The thing that I've noticed, especially in my line of work and, and, and your line of work, is when or sorry, I, let me rephrase it this way. The thing that I've noticed in my line of work and in your line of work is that sometimes it's hard to find consensus. So how have you found success in getting people <laughs> from different sides to just sit across each other, look at a problem and mutually agree on something that is effectively harming the next generation of global leaders? Yeah, it's a really great question. So we all know how polarized our current political climate is, and a result of that is political gridlock. I mean, this year is a perfect example. The government was shut down for the longest period in history um, because we could not come to a consensus about how to solve and balance the budget. So it's a very real, it has very real outcomes um, to the American people, and it kind of baffles me that this issue isn't talked about more um, on the, you know, by the talking heads of our of our media. 
um, probably because of the reasons I mentioned previously uh, with the with it not being conducive to political the political uh, structure. But one of the things that we do to help or to cultivate um, learning how to get to common ground is by hosting these campaigns. And throughout the campaigns, they receive training on how to have uh, what we call deliberative dialogues, which are, it's this idea that deliberative dialogues are not debates, right? Debates, there's a winner and a loser at the end. You're consistently thinking about how to interrogate and shut down the other person's argument. Deliberative dialogue dialogues are a different frame of mindset when you enter a conversation and you're not trying to argue or debate, but you're just trying to weigh the trade-offs and options in a solutions-oriented uh, framework. So students and up to us undergo that training. Um, they're also encouraged and learn specific skills on how to form partnerships on campus. So it's not uncommon to see partnerships formed with the college Democrats and college Republicans and for them to co-host an up to us uh, campaign event together. And so by teaching the next generation how to make these partnerships and by showing them the very real consequences of not collaborating, we hope that we can inspire the next generation to take those skills with them and um, to not only be conscientious in the way that they vote about fiscal policy, but also to hopefully go to Capitol Hill one day and bring the skills that they learned uh, from up to us into, into Capitol Hill. Yeah. Yeah. Deliberate yeah. conversation. I love, I love the sound of that. Okay. So you've done a great work framing us uh, with the importance of this and also why these skills are necessary. Can you talk to us about the up to us campus competition and the movement that you're building how long has it been around? How, how many people participated? How can people participate if they want to? Yeah, absolutely. So Up To Us was launched in 2012. We're heading into our eighth year of the program. It was started in partnership with the Clinton Global Initiative, a branch of the Clinton, Glo the Clinton Foundation, the Peter G. Peterson Foundation, a nonpartisan think tank based in New York City, and Net Impact, the organization at which I work here based in Oakland, California. And our goal with this program is to empower the next generation to understand the uh, implications of an imbalanced fiscal outlook and specifically to raise awareness about the long-term national debt. So the uh, model of the program is a campaign competition. So this past year, we had 125 teams complete the program and they're tasked with forming a team of three, anywhere from like three to five students. And they are tasked with designing and executing their own public awareness campaign. Within this public awareness campaign, they have specific parameters. So they must host at least three different events. And those three events have different requirements, all with the goal of kind of galvanizing and inspiring their campus community to talk about and learn about and discuss um, our long-term fiscal challenges. So we see some super creative campaigns in Up To Us. Uh, one of my favorite uh, examples is uh, the winner in year four back in 2014, uh, the year before I participated, uh, was a student, a team from Stockton University in New Jersey. And they paired up with their 
campus radio, their dance team, college Democrats, college Republicans, and a variety of other student groups on campus somehow convinced the student center to take out all of the furniture in their student center and bought a banner and hung it up in the middle of the student center that said, we sold all the furniture to, to pay off our national debt. No way. And that's what the students walked into the student center and saw. And then they called in their local radio station. They had the dance team perform a uh, performance that day. And so this obviously got students asking questions and, you know, what is going on? Like, tell us about what you're doing. And uh, they ended up winning the competition that year and won $10,000. Well then, uh, yeah, I can see why that's your favorite. That's one of your favorite stories. <laughs> <laughs> okay, well then, uh, wow, and, and that was in Oakland. The Oakland. That I, was in New Jersey, in Stockton, New Jersey. at Stockton University, and oh. actually, the team leader of uh, that team uh, now works for the State Department. So he's gone on to to work in, in government and and serve his country and. Um, so it's just really cool to see some of the trajectories of the the individuals that go through the program. That's I love that. It's so brilliant. Well, then you know, as we get ready to wrap up, uh, let's talk about you. You obviously have a passion for this, but what what are the things that really really ignite uh, that fire within you? How did you become so passionate about this, and what do you want your future to look like? Yeah. So when I think about what really ignites the fire in me. It's really working with the students that participate in the program and seeing their transformation from when they first start out as little baby up to us teen leaders to when they graduate at the end of the competition year with such confidence and just this brightness about them that they can accomplish anything because they've learned, you know, what can happen when you put your mind to something and they learn how powerful they are um, through executing this campaign on their campus, which of course is uh, comprised of putting on events, reaching out to local leaders, uh, partnering with other leaders on campus, motivating their team members. I mean, it really is a kind of crash course in, in, grassroots campaigning and making stuff happen on campus. And I love, love, love that I get to, I get to cultivate that in young people. And it certainly was true for my personal experience with Up To Us. You know, I felt after the experience, like anything was possible. Like if I could, if I could do that, if I could make college students care about the national debt, I could do anything, right? <laughs> <laughs> that is true. That is true. Uh, okay. Well, okay. Biggest failure. Let's go there then. What's been your biggest failure so far in life? Mm, wow. Um, hmm. A three for a loop. <laughs> yeah, it's a good question. I want to kind of gnaw on that for a little bit. I would say biggest failure. I really, I try not to look at things as failures. I really love Queen Rihanna's quote that's like, it's never a failure, always a lesson. Mm. And I, I really try to look at downfalls like that. And I think as a leadership development coach with with my with my role in up to us that's what i teach students and so i really i wish i had an answer for it but 
I'd really not try, I'd really try to not look at my quote unquote failures as such and really looking at them as, as lessons. Um, I think that I am a very risk averse individual. So I don't like to take a lot of risks. I like when things are planned and calculated and reasoned. Um, and I, I would think of myself as very cautious. So if I had to say like maybe potentially one of my weaknesses, um, is that I'm, I'm risk averse and maybe I've missed out on some opportunities that could have been really great, but I didn't want to go for them because I wasn't quite, quite ready for them. You've got plenty of life. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that's true. But hey, as uh, as Queen Rihanna says, you know, shine bright like a diamond. So I, I <laughs> they often say di diamond also, you know, pressure makes diamonds as well. So uh, if I'm very true. So no, th this is interesting. I, I asked you that question because this is this is a podcast that has been going on for five years, over 400 episodes. And a lot of the listeners are your target audience, aspiring change makers who are within the 21 to 35 age range or 35 to, uh, yeah, around that age range. And they're thinking about ways they can make an impact in the world. But one thing that I always want to stress is that the failure part is going to be inevitable. You're not going to always convince everybody to, you know, to go with your idea. You're not going to initially succeed, uh, at least for the most part with your first invention. But I was curious to hear from you, whether you found some sort of, um, I guess, inspiration, or something that keeps keeps you going when those times are are down or horrible or when you know the world is beating down on you or when everything seems to be going against your way because yeah. I I love learning from people like yourself because I feel like there's always something that we can find inspiration from even if it's hard. Yeah, it's so true. I love this question. I would say I'm really inspired by people who are not deterred by what seems sometimes to me is like insurmountable challenges and defeat, but they get right back up and back on the horse and charge forward. Yeah. Um, so yeah, I'm also really inspired by the young people who are rallying around climate change right now. Greta Thunberg. Oh, Greta. Yeah. yeah she's, she's my she's idol. <laughs> yeah. She's amazing. Yeah. And I love that she's speaking so much truth to power and articulating the importance of, of knowing about climate change in such a real way and, and inspiring others to do the same. And so I'm really inspired by her and just around the amazing activism that we've seen in general over these past few years from Black Lives Matter to um, the women's movement. Um, I'm really inspired by by grassroots organizing and the power of what can get done um, by a few committed citizens and devoted uh, devoted groups of people. Love it, love it, love it. All right. Well, before we go, how can we stay in, in contact with you? How can we learn more about the competition? And what would you want the audience to do uh, with your audience? Great. Yeah. So if you're interested in learning more about Up To Us, you can check out our website. It's uptous.org. We've got information about the fiscal outlook there and also the campus competition. Um, you can always reach out to me directly. Uh, my uh, email is hallen at netimpact.org. If you have any questions about the campus competition or would like to get involved, I'm always 
looking for people who are studying the fiscal economic space. So I would love to have you on a webinar. Um, and yeah, we would, would love to stay in touch. Love it. Okay. All right. And I'll make sure I put it in the show notes. Also, uh, before I always go, I always ask my guests this final question. And the mission statement of this podcast is use your difference to make a difference. So I'm going to ask you, Hillary, how do you use your difference to make a difference? Mm, great question. Thank you. I, I like to think of myself as acting as a silent bridger. So I don't need to, you know, get the glamour, the attention or the credit, but just like understanding how people work and how groups uh, work together and helping to cultivate better partnerships between the two, especially if they are adversarial groups. Um, I think I, I really am attracted to conflict and I like solving conflicts. Um, and it's, it's deeply satisfying for me. And that's why I think I commend the people who are uh, not afraid to um, look at conflict and to address it and to to find solutions for it. Yeah, yeah, love that, love that. Well, I just want to thank you for your time. It's been very eye opening. I, I, you know, I, the economics and and fiscal policies were things that I sort of knew, but not well enough. So you, you've <laughs> you've definitely educated me on the importance of that today. So thank you so much for that. Thank you for spending time with us. Thank you so much, Ty. I really appreciate it. And you're not the only one who doesn't understand uh, fiscal policy. Yeah. <laughs> <Not> <laughs> <alone>. <laughs> well, if Thanks. you want to, if you want to understand it, make sure you you definitely hit Larry up and also check out the Uptails campaign. Uh, yes. And I'll, I'll put that in the show notes. But, Great. Um, Thanks so much. No problem, ladies, gentlemen, and gender nonconforming individuals. Till next time, use your difference to make a difference. You've just been listening to the As Told by Nomads podcast. For more ways to reach out to Tayo and to use your difference to make a difference, head over to www.tayoroxon.com. Planning for your next trip? Elevate your travel style with Quinn's. Quince has all the jet-setting essentials you'll want for your next getaway, like European linen, premium luggage options, buttery soft Italian leather bags, and so much more. And is all priced at 50 to 80% less than similar brands. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe and ethical manufacturing practices. Pack your bags with high-quality essentials you'll be wearing for vacations to come with Quince. Go to quince.com pack for free shipping and 365-day returns.